Today on Colony Confidential, we're talking mergers and acquisitions, what's going on with the big boys, find out how to get your business ready to sell, what you should never do in a business acquisition, and building your business credit. So how I got started in pest control is obvious through my father. My name is Edward J. Sheehan. Joseph P. Sheehan, Colony Pest Management, Brooklyn, New York. So Colony Confidential is about money. I said I want cash. Business and family. Working with family is the toughest fucking thing you'll ever have to do. Or it could be the best. Mint. Colony Confidential. All right, so one of the hot topics right now in the industry is certainly mergers and acquisitions. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Dad, you sold your business in 1998. So let's get your perspective from 20 years ago. This is a hot topic now, especially since companies doing certain dollar amounts, like anything over two 2 million people are getting offered a minimum of two to one and up to three times annual revenue. The main questions are how, when, and what. So how to sell, when to sell, and what you need to be thinking of and doing in your business to be able to sell. So, sorry, I just wanted to lay it up for you, the current state of mergers and acquisitions. Well, I think the how and the what are pretty much the same. How do you prepare a business to be sold? You better have all your accounts receivable as much up to date as you can. You have to have a good accounting record. You got to have good uh, returns, uh, tax filings every year, good bank records. You need to include everything. Even if, you know, like there's, there's a stop that may call every summer and you might service it two or three times a year. Don't forget that stop. Get it in there. It's worth money. Anything you have that you value besides your stops, maybe you can talk people into buying your furniture, your uh, IT equipment, stuff like that. But you need to really think it out. You need to be prepared to answer a lot of questions. Just very quickly to bring you up to 2018, you have to remember that in 1998 when Ed sold his business, you had an influx of cell phones at the time just to show you technologically where we were at. Computers were around. There weren't software systems like there are now, but if I remember correctly, you were shopping software systems at the time Correct. for routing and everything like that. And if you have the proper software, these things will map out your business for potential acquisition in the future, meaning from inception of these programs, you can go back that far and show progression. All of these software programs are changing and update regularly, similar to apps on your phones. When you enter an account, you gotta enter it properly. And this is just for an acquisition down the road. If somebody wants to buy you, they can run a sales by service or something along those lines. A lot of programs have a company valuation report. And a company valuation report is precisely used on how you set up your account. It shows only recurring revenue, which is what your real asset is in your business, is the recurring revenue. Yes, you'll get paid for one-time stops, but you're gonna get the highest multiple for that recurring revenue account. So if you do eight million and four million of it is only recurring revenue, are you really a business that the big boys wanna buy? Probably yes, but are you gonna get 24 million for that $8 million company where 4 million is recurring and 4 million is one times or bed bug jobs or whatever? No, cause it's not guaranteed money to them. It's labeling them correct, labeling a, a weekly, a monthly, a quarterly, a bi-weekly, a bi-monthly, et cetera. Labeling all of this correctly so that when you run that report, it is relatively plain English what your company is doing monthly, annually, and what those services are. We're in a commercial business, so it's a lot simpler for us, but people that do residential, it could be even more in-depth. And the more in-depth you are, the more valuable you are when you're ready to sell. 
ant service, quarterly mosquito, summer mosquito service, all these stuff needs to be spelled out in the software. And that is what you would need to, in my opinion, to get your business at for an acquisition. And of course, there are a lot of people out there that help people to do this. PCO Bookkeepers is a company that not only helps you figure out your books and has very good industry key performance indicators that they can show you and help you get to. They also help you get what I'm talking about between your QuickBooks and your Pest Pack so that if you ever want to sell one day, they get it into a format that the big boys love and help you get those multiples. Okay, so I'm going to touch on uh, two things. One um, that I noticed when I was selling, they were very impressed that employees had worked to me 15, 18, 20 years. Uh, that made a big difference to them. And uh, the other thing is the accounts receivable. What happens is anything that's 30 days behind, they're going to discount it 10%. So just very quickly, you had all those guys retention. How many of them lasted with the big company? Um, none. Okay. The longest that last was your office manager, correct? Right. That was about a year. Okay. So let's touch on that. There's something about being a big company that the main office is in Tennessee, and they have hard and fast rules that can't be bent. And I like to say the rules are there are no rules. There are rules, but rules can be changed. It depends on what a good worker you are or how terrible you are. I got really changed a lot of. So just to just to go back to a previous episode on HR, that is called something like uh, discrimination when you show favoritism to one employee over the other. The reason doesn't matter. Just have just, so just to just, just to touch on that subject. What a crock of shit. Any event, the other thing was thirty days. They're going to discount it by ten percent. Sixty days. They're going to discount it by twenty five. Well, this is what happened to me. They discounted by twenty five percent. So. It would, quote a gentleman, behoove you to get those accounts receivables as up-to-date as possible. Again, you have to go over everything. Have it very clear in your mind what you, what the bottom line is that you'll accept and what you're going to ask. If you have everything in line, it could go relatively smoothly. When I say relatively smoothly, it probably takes six months to a year to get it done. Things come up. I remember we had the deal almost done, close to the end, and they said... My guys had voted to get out of the union because the union never came to negotiate a contract with us. Anyway, they got out of the union. They called the National Labor Relations Board to get out of the union. So we're down to the end, and I had a very good lawyer, very nice man, and he had advised me, you know, really, this is a lot of money. You, you know, it's a lot of money. This is, this is big time. I go, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. And he was very smooth in how he was talking. And they bring this thing up. They said, well, we can't buy the business unless you get a letter from the union saying you're not in the union. And I just looked at them. And my lawyer, who told me to be calm, cool, and collected, said, what the fuck are you guys pulling this fucking shit at this late fucking date? And I said, <laughs> what he meant to say was, this is highly irregular. And there's no way I am going to get a, a letter from the union. So the deal's done. Broke. There's no deal. Because if I do that, they're going to be down here causing all kinds of trouble. I said, no, I'm not going to do it. And they called me back about a month later and said, can you get a letter from a lawyer saying that you're not in the union, that you had this vote? So we had hired a special lawyer from Manhattan, called the guy up, tell him I need this letter. He goes, well, that's expensive for me to give you the letter. I go, how much is expensive? $75. <laughs> give me the letter. And the deal went through. But... um you just gotta, you gotta get all your stuff together. You gotta think it out. It's not something you just think about. I'm gonna sell now. It took me about two years because I was hoping my sons would change their mind. <laughs>
but we, they didn't. We did. Eventually. Too, too late. Yeah, too late. But I was saying, you know, I'd be good. My mother wanted me to be a postal employee. Well, first, she wanted me to be a priest, but that wasn't happening. Um, she wanted me to be a postal employee. Can imagine? First of all, I wouldn't be here, but. Get a good city job, you know. And I remember I had passed the written test to be a bridge and tunnel officer back in the day. And all I had to do was take a physical. And I told her I wasn't taking that physical. I was going to stay with pest control. Jesus Christ almighty. A good city job with a pension. Anyhow, where am I going with this? Um, oh, yeah. I saw, um, you know, and then I say myself, I had saved some money. I had some other assets besides the pest control business and had been breaking my chops for a long time. I liked it, but they were shoving all this money in my face. And I said, okay, I, I agree. I, I agree. I had let them in to take a look at the business and they made me an offer. And I told them it wasn't enough. They came back with another offer. As a matter of fact, they said when they made me the first offer, if it isn't enough, we'll see if we can do better. I told him, go do better. Came back at the second offer. I said, nah. Then he came back, this is it. This is the final offer. And, and it was substantially more than the first offer. And um, so I agreed. How did they approach you in the first place? Did you go looking for the opportunity? No, no, I never went. They would bother me for like three or four years. I get stuff in the mail. I'd meet them at a pest control meetings. When are you going to sell to us? I don't know. Not, not now. Not now. And then I got this thing in the mail, and I called them, and we started talking. That took about a year. It just didn't go quick. It wasn't something quick. There was this that I wanted, they wanted. We settled, whatever. It was sort of like uh, if a country was run right where you make deals. It's not all going to be your way. It's not going to be all their way. It's a compromise thing. And the best deals I ever made was where nobody was completely happy. Everybody got something, but nobody got everything. That was a good deal. Yeah, I took the money, and um, they paid, you know, I got substantial down, and I got a payout for five years. And they, if they didn't pay me on time, they pay, the check came early. I got to say that. They were really cool about that. They never screwed around. So when? When what? When is a good time to sell? When do you think? I think, I think you know, I've talked to people um, that have called me about selling, and they don't know if they're ready yet, and but they were thinking, I, it's just something. When, when is a good time to sell? When you're ready? Do you have enough money? So, like, if guys come to me and tell me, well, I got $100,000 saved, and I think I can get, like, 500000 for my company. Well, what are you going to do after that? Well, I don't need to. Well, really? You know, $600,000 ain't shit. I mean, it's a lot more than a lot of people have. But if you want to maintain a, a reasonable lifestyle, you know, you got to think of a couple of million. So if you got a couple of million saved, or you got a million saved, and you're going to get a million for the company, yeah, it's okay if you invest it wisely and you don't go apeshit. You need to think down the line, you know. And today, we're all supposed to live till, what, 85 or something? So if you're going to sell when you're 65, you better have enough money for 20 years. Then also there's things you want to do with the money besides yourself. You want to help your kids out. You might want to go on some really cool vacations and stuff like that. Pay off your house, drive a nice car, go to a lot of nice dinners. So when you're ready? When you're ready, you're going to know you're ready. Either you're physically incapacitated or like too many people that I've met, you stay too long. You're not physically able to, you're getting very slow. You just stay too long and you start to lose market share. So you need to know, maybe I'm breaking down physically. Maybe I've had enough. I can't deal with all the cranky people that expect more than they should. And employees could drive you crazy sometimes. Just to just after a while, you may get to the point where you just want to blow people's brains out. 
Not that I ever did, but um, you know, you could just get all, really. All wood, all wood. Oh yeah, all wood. No, you know me, Mister Nonviolence. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, you'll know when it's time. Or you should know if you're starting to lose market share. You know, you lost the stop. Okay, good. I'm gonna go out and get two more stops. If you're not doing that, maybe it's time you should seriously think about getting out. So here's a question: If you and me right now, at 42 years old, am I 42? Yeah. You f***ing don't know. I do know. You're 42. Would you sell? What are you going to do when you sell? If, if I was to do it again, I would have hired a guy to run the business. Yeah. And then when, when the bulb went on in your head, or Eddie's head, Eddie could handle his own route. I think that the decision that happened with uh, you selling was great for everybody. You were able to go off into the sunset. You, you didn't have to work again for in from age 52 on i mean that's phenomenal and uh, we discuss this all the time and this is us where a succession plan should really be put in place if you're giving it to your children there probably would have been no real succession plan and we probably would have fought well, and, and had a miserable no we wouldn't have fought i'm going to tell you why when i thought about it that you didn't like the business i said to myself i'm not going to be like grandma i want to be more like grandpa that's what you want to do and you think you could do it do it but again going back to me i tried shit and it didn't work out so you move on to something else but i learned i learned from my mistakes yes and college definitely wasn't a mistake i just think taking over your business would have gotten me certain places a lot faster but in a lot less humbling way and what do you mean a lot less humbling way there's something very humbling I would have had money. I would have taken over your business with 20-something guys and automatically had X amount of million-dollar business instead of starting off with 2500 Yeah, it's but... It's a humbling experience. That, that, that's true, but let me tell you, let's look at the good part of it. You broke your ass. That's what I'm saying. Humbling is not a bad thing. Oh, okay. If I would have taken over your business, I would have been that second-generation jerk-off son. That probably would have knocked your business out of the water. Not out of the water, but, you know, I would have taken it to another level. You wouldn't have been a jerk-off son like some of these other assholes that took over their father's business. So back to succession planning. You and I have had conversations about everything that's happened and how it would have went down if I took over. And how you would have never really relinquished the reins. Yes, that would have been a tough part. And as I think about it, I would have... You would have had your fucking hand in my pocket forever. That's right. (laughs) I would have broke off some of the business and said, here, take this, see what you could do with it. And then when you did really well, then we would say, okay, look. I mean, I offered you a good salary to come with me. I turned it down. I was still in college having fun. I graduated in 99. You sold in 98. Yeah, well, you weren't taking over. I wasn't taking over 100%. I didn't want to. We had that conversation. That's what I'm saying. So for everybody, listen, a succession plan is necessary for your children or for whoever's going to take it over with definitive timelines. You are going to start to take over the business at this point. You're going to start to pay me at this point, and you're going to stop paying me at this point. Or children of the owner don't f***ing do the deal. That's what I would say. The other thing uh, I want to say is uh, someone that's looking to sell but doesn't know this, that, and the other thing, there's another way out. Um, you can allow somebody to buy half your business. Or if I was buying your business, I would want 55%. You retain the other 45%, you still work. We put in our better practices and everything else, the business is going to grow. When you're ready to go, we'll buy out your remaining 45%. This way you wander off into the 
wonderful land of not having to go to work. And you do you sort of ease out of the business. You're just not one day you're working and the next day you're not. So if you're working, let's say, 60, 65 hours a week, maybe you're only going to work 40, 45 hours a week. Maybe you're not going to be out in the field as much. Maybe you're going to be in the office. Maybe you're going to be more of a managerial aspect. So that's a good segue into acquisitions and the current market with the multiples and everybody thinking that they should get three to one, including the guy doing 400,000 or 500,000 or the very hilarious phone call that we had with a guy doing 250,000 a year that wanted 650,000 for his business. Also, um, talking about funny stuff, I had been retired about a year, and of course, in the pest control business, it's like a bunch of old ladies out gossiping. So, you know, I got like $50 million for the company. That was the high end. And I got a call from someone I knew, and he goes, I want to sell my business. I want you to take a look at things. I said, okay. So I met him for lunch. I looked at it. I said, okay, you're doing like 375 a year. Yeah, but how do I doctor the books to make it look like 800? I said, uh, you don't want me for that. No, but you're good at that. I go, no, I'm not, not really. I said, um, I got a pretty good reputation. Your business tops is worth 350. You're probably not even going to get that. Why not? I go, yeah, you got a lot of small stops and stuff like that. And how many guys you got? Says, well, me and two other guys. I go, that's pretty good. Oh, I got like three part-timers. I go, okay, fine. I said, you know, that all comes in. I said, there's no way you're going to get $800,000 for this business. I thought you were smart. I go, I am. I'm not going to lie. You know, you get all kinds. Um, but I'll get into that more when we get on to acquisitions. We're, we're there now. We're on ac- Well, one thing I could tell you about acquisitions, everybody thinks their business is worth a gazillion dollars. And you take a look at it, and a lot of things come into your mind. Before I go look at it, I find out if this guy's in debt. I like to find out what he was doing. I want to see his tax returns. And if his tax returns have been going down in the last, steadily down in the last three years, well, he's on the he's on a descent. I also look to see if the prices are underpriced. That may seem like a bad thing, but it's a good thing because it's relatively easy. If they haven't raised their prices in 20 years, people are not stupid. They figure like, okay. Yeah, give you a raise. The other thing is, they're all liars. I shouldn't say all of them. A lot of them are liars. They'll tell you people are done once a month and they're done every three months. And we would put that into a contract saying that this is what it is and this is what has to be. And we give you, say, 50% down and we pay X amount of dollars a month. But in the contract, it says if we lose a stop and it's not our fault, and I could tell you're probably going to lose between 8 and 10% if it's a mom and pop operation because these are people that are tied to this person for years and years and the new guy's coming on. And I really didn't need the exterminator. I just did it because of this guy. So you're going to lose that. So now you have to take it off. Say you have to give the guy $1,000 a month and that month you lost $40. Keep it easy. $40 worth of business. And you had paid the guy 10 to 1. So you had paid the guy $400 for that stop, and you did it for two months, so he owes you $720. And you tell him, I'm going to take $720 off this month because person quit. Not my fault. Now, if I didn't show up on time, I did a lousy job, that's on me. Person dies, that's on you. Person moves, that's on you. I take it off the monthly VIG. So the current multiples, would you have ever given somebody three to one? Never. Two? No. One and a half? Maybe. All right, there, shrewd. I mean, I, listen, a lot of the stuff that I bought was a route, and a route is a different story. It's one guy doing his thing, six to one, five to one, 
sometimes three to one, whatever, whatever I could get them for. I did one stop, uh, one buyout. Um, it's a pretty big deal. And um, the guy, every time I saw the guy, he insulted me. Who do you think you are? I remember we walked on a stop. Uh, it was uh, for Downstate Medical Center. It was a big, big bid. And he's walking with me, walking with me, walking with me. And, and it was towards the end of the day. And he's getting tired. And we look down the block at this building. He goes, oh, it's a friggin' apartment house. I'm leaving. What are you doing? I said, I'm going to look at it. It's an apartment house. You know what to charge. It wasn't an apartment house. It was a parking lot. Bid comes up. I won. I beat him because we were almost neck and neck on everything except for the parking lot. What's the and point of this? The point is that when I bought this guy out, he told me I was full of shit and he could get more money from another guy. I knew the other guy. The guy didn't have many money to put down. Came back to me, and I was so pissed at him. I go, fuck you. I'm going to give you $50,000 down, and I ain't paying you another dime for a goddamn year. What? And I said, then I'll pay you 5000 a month till it's paid off. And he went for the deal. So, you know, sometimes, you know, the old song is, you got to know when to hold them, and you got to know when to fold them. So, yeah, the current market is nowhere near that. We've looked at businesses ranging from $1.2 million to $20,000. The guy doing $20,000 wanted $180,000 because <laughs> he had this amazing Google system that he was going to let us use, and that's how he gets all of his work. The most realistic guy, or not realistic, the best deal that I didn't go for, that I wouldn't do, he wanted basically $1.25 for every dollar. But he wanted it up front. You know, he there was no caveat. Never give all the money up front. Never, never. But in, in the current in today's current market for an acquisition, um, you need to be comfortable whatever you're comfortable paying for, dollar for dollar. I mean, two for one, I don't think anybody in a small business should be paying that. Leave that up to the big boys to do it. But I think dollar for dollar for quality recurring revenue. And this is where you got to break down the business. So recurring revenue, I would definitely pay dollar for dollar for. So if you do 500 is recurring, I'll give you 400 termite renewals. I'll give you less one-offs. I'll probably give you nothing. Bed bug work, depending on how consistent it is, I might give Wait, you the way you could work that. The way you could work that if it's say like you you put the money down, say you have a five-year payout. You can take the bed bug jobs and do it on a yearly basis. Like this year, we did 500000 in bed bug jobs. Okay, what do you want to give them for that? Next year, we only did 200000 That's a five-year deal, so you got to work out the multiples you're going to do for that. Yes, but all, all of, depending on what you're paying, like if you're paying dollar for dollar. Look, if you're paying three to one, me personally, if I'm giving you three to one, you're on the hook for three years for dollars. Like if you're three to one on a $3 million business, you need to do $3 million every year. And if you don't, is coming out but dollar for dollar you still you got to make sure everything gets in the first year so even bed bug work if it's five hundred thousand there could be the caveat where if you hit the five hundred thousand this year we'll give you 250 for it you know what i mean yeah 50 percent. but you got to negotiate that because all of those non-recurring services are not as valuable they're as the recurring work they're not on the contract i got it right when are the contracts up right is a guy selling in september and friggin contracts are up in december and part of your deal has to be a re-signing of the contract you check all of this yeah due diligence so there's other things that people tell you about ebitda what is it interest what is it 
earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, and amortization. Call Danny Perla. It's a measure of the company's operating performance. Essentially, it's a way to evaluate a company's performance without having to factor in financing decisions, accounting decisions, or tax environments. Do you know how to do that? Yeah, it's earnings before all of this other shit. Sure. There's a model for it. When you get to a certain place, you can have people that do some of this stuff for you. Uh, we're fortunate enough to deal with certain banking institutions that are happy to look at any acquisition we want to look at and have their accounting team go through it and evaluate it for me for free in the hopes that I buy the business and they get to loan me some money on it. So what were you going to say, well, sir? The other thing that, you know, I'm just talking about myself. You're making money. You're doing well. Don't put everything in your pocket. Uh, you need to put money on the side so when these opportunities come up to buy something, you, you've got some ready cash to put down. And if somebody tells somebody, I'll give you a million dollars for the business, but I only have, I could give you maybe 100000 And you show up and say, well, I'm only going to give you 900 but I'll give you half up front. You might get them to go for the deal that way. So put money aside for whatever. I mean... You never know what's going to happen in this business. Uh, things could be just going along at a nice steady pace, and all of a sudden the shit hits the fan and you need some money. You want to go to a bank, that's fine. But here's the thing. If you borrow the money from the bank, you still got to pay the rest of the note to this guy, and then you got to pay the bank. If you save up your money and you can put that down payment yourself, you only got to pay the guy. So you're going to start to see money in your pocket quicker. So this is a difference of opinion that we share. So everybody starting out in a small business, you build your company's credit with your personal credit, but you want to get a Dun & Bradstreet number. You want to use that Dun & Bradstreet number. You want to pay the Dun & Bradstreet annual fee for at least the first five years you're in business, get the references, do everything that they tell you to do, but you need to build your business credit so that you can finance your business through a banking institution and not out of your own pocket. I understand that I've done it for 12 years, but there's something f***ing amazing about borrowing money and having it up until 2010. I never got a paycheck every pay period. It was just something I didn't do because I wanted money in the bank. I wanted to do this or I had to do that. Now, like capital projects in, in the company, whatever it could be, trucks all financed granted we put money down whenever upside down on our loans which is okay to be upside down in your loans if your cash flow is good because you have those terms for a reason what do most you mean people upside up, down it means payments it, no upside down means that you couldn't sell the car and pay the car off at that time oh. well that's how a lot of loans are as a guy starting out if you can get a vehicle for zero down and zero percent financing for seven years it's a no-brainer to get it and you'll be upside down on that loan only because of the value of the car when you drive it off the lot. But it still behooves you to put zero down on that car. Andy, you hear that? Yeah, you hear that? Behoof. My point is, is that you need to establish credit for the business so you can get a credit line. You don't want to finance the business out of your personal pocket as the owner. And no matter what size you are, your goal is to always use someone else's money to build your business. And when you build it, to take the money you built and put it in your pocket. 
point is, is that you want to have a credit line or company credit where you can finance your own stuff through the business and have the business pay it back instead of it coming out of your pocket. And I'm pretty sure, and this is what accountants are for, that those finance fees or those interest fees on those loans are also a tax deduction. I'm they not are. sure. So with the new Trump tax laws, I'm not 100% sure because I haven't read them. And from what I understand, most accountants don't have their heads wrapped around it yet either. Is there a number that somebody can come to you and you're not ready to sell? $24 million. So you do have a number. I have a number. I could walk away tomorrow for $24 million. What What you need to know if you're listening to this and you're looking to sell your business, why don't you let us know at colonyconfidential at gmail.com. You're not obliged to do anything. Just you want to sit down and discuss it? I'd be happy to discuss it with you. That Just is true. It... We are purchasing any and all businesses in, in New York and New Jersey area. Just let us know at colonyconfidential at gmail.com. You might learn stuff too. Like say you've been in the business a long time. And you're getting kind of tired. But you don't know what your business is worth. Why don't you let us know? Don't tell us what you think your business is worth. Or you can if you want. We'll tell you. what. We'll take a look at it. We'll also sign a piece of paper, which I, I don't know what it's called. NDA, non-disclosure agreement. Yeah, non-disclosure Confidentiality. agreement. Confidentiality. That we can't talk about what we see, and we can't go after your stops. So in a way, you're protecting your stops from us, not anybody else. But you're protecting them from us because we will sign that confidentiality statement. And if you just want to sit down and talk and tell them what a pissy business this is or what a great business it is, colonyconfidential at gmail.com. Having trouble with your girlfriend or your wife? Keep walking. Thank you for listening to Colony Confidential today. We hope some of the things we talked about will be helpful to you. If you have ideas other than what we had mentioned, please let us know. If you don't agree with our ideas, let us know that too. If you just want to talk, let us know. ColonyConfidential at gmail.com. Thank you once again for listening. We look forward to talking to you again. Look out for Colony Confidential at Pest World in Orlando, October 23rd to October 26th. We'll be there. You will see us.